0: Absolutely. It depends on the uh, C.O.R. of the flagstick, so the coefficient of restitution vision Restitution stick In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and I got my co-host, uh, the man who would gladly spend close to $1,000 for an autographed master's flag, Scott. Scott, what's the good word?
1: So that, if for close to $1,000, that better have like all the living past champions, uh, plus Arnold Palmer, plus Billy Payne, you know, throw in Hootie Johnson if you want, throw in Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, <clears throat> that thousand bucks, That that's probably who you gotta, you know, have on there for me, but it still would look pretty cool hanging up here in the New York podcast office.
0: So we we were just talking about autographs, golf autographs specifically. Um, Scott, if if you, I mean, are you are you an autograph collect collector? Are you into that type of thing at all, or no?
1: Uh, you could count the number of autographs I currently have on zero hands.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that's
1: not entirely true. I have the the wink or Bet one that I got uh, a couple years ago when I I had he, he had the meet and greet at the pizza place. Right. So that's that's the lone autograph that I currently own.
0: My, my boys, you know, who are, are, are younger, well, at least they acquired the autographs when they were younger, you know, have flags from different tournaments signed. and It's cool. You know, eventually I'll inherit them down in the PA podcast studio and, you know, when they move on and out and, uh, you know, basically I'll just take them since I purchased them anyway uh, and hang them up down here. But I'm, I'm not, I, I could care less. You know what I mean? People are people. That, that doesn't excite me at all. However and I've gone on record saying this in the past, and it's something that I think I would hold true till, probably till either he dies or I die, um, the only autograph that I think I would ever care to get would be Tiger. And it's not so much the autograph, but it would just be a factual point in time that him and I actually interacted. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could timestamp it with that signature. I, I would never go online and buy a Tiger Woods autograph. However, if him and I were in the same spot and there was something that I could have autographed by it, you know what I mean? It's a nice memento of of a moment between, you know, you and and let's say a golfing idol.
1: Yeah, and and that's one of the the, you know, the the cool things about, you know, being around, you know, golf tournaments on practice rounds, like there's a possibility that that people are going to sign Uh, one of the the best things I saw at the PGA Championship this year when I went down for the practice round. Um, And I I forget who the player was, but there was someone walking by with his badge and going, hey, man, could you sign this? And the player came over, and he was going to sign it. And then he looked at the guy. He's like, you got, like, a Sharpie or a pen or something? And the guy's like, no. Like, I, I just figured you would. And the player's, like, in the middle of a round, and he just walked away. So that's my, my favorite, like, autograph story right now, because I'm not asking people for autographs. So I enjoy watching other people do so and make fools of themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, you've got to accommodate these players if you actually want an autograph. You know, you've got to make it as easy on them as possible. Like, I remember when you and I were kids growing up and going to Hofstra for Jets camp, and we mm-hmm. would go to that back that back fence where the players would walk from the practice field over— to the calf and and their dormitories and stuff like that, and I mean we had tons of footballs and pictures and jerseys signed, you know. But we were we were teenage kids, and that's th- those are our football heroes, you know. Um, nowadays, I feel like all those kids you see lined up, half of them have got adult backers that are looking to just throw that crap up on ebay and try to make a quick buck and then they throw a kid you know a sleeve of pro v1s or something or let, let, let a kid keep a hatter or something like that you know and i think the pros understand that i've kind of grown wary of uh of that as well but the problem is what are you going to do you're going to turn down a kid you know like no pro is going to ever do that i prefer when people are like hey man can i get a picture with you real quick you know, that's that mm-hmm. to me is a better memento than, you know, him scribbling or her scribbling down a name on a sheet of paper or, you know, whatever, a ball or something like that, which by the way, a golf ball has to be the most awkward thing to sign, the most awkward professional sport item for a player to sign. It's just you. I don't know how they get a full autograph on it.
1: No, it never looks good either. Like, that's the thing Like you get like, if you're if you have a baseball and a You know, a decent pen, like you're going to get a pretty nice autograph. Uh, Same deal with a football in a lot of cases. Basketball, basketball is probably the easiest one. But a golf ball, forget it. It 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 never looks right.
0: Yeah, I think baseball is the easiest, only because it's the smoothest surface. Basketball is pebbly. Mm -hmm. Football is a little bit pebbly. You know what I mean? But if you take your time, it comes out well. Um, We were at a Pittsburgh Pirates Cardinals game. And one of my oldest son's favorite pitchers is Adam Wainwright, and he was coming mm-hmm. off the field. And This is before a game. This is not, you know, batting practice or anything. But they're they're coming off the field um, at the end at the end of kind of warmups before you know the national anthem and the first pitch and stuff like that. And he's pitching um, that night, and he's down in the dugout there, and he was talking with a reporter. And my son had his hat. And, you know, he looked over and, and and I'm sitting back. I'm not doing a thing. I said, you know what? If you want to get it signed, you get it signed. That's that's on you. You know what I mean? I'm not going to yell. I'm an adult. I'm not going to yell another adult's name. But if you want to try, go ahead. I told him it's not going to happen because, you know, it's an actual game day. We're not here two hours early. Like the stands are filled. And Adam reaches his hand up. My son throws the hat to him and he signs it and, you know, throws it back up. My My son wears number 50. Uh, in soccer, wears number 50 in baseball most of the time when he's not wearing number one for Ozzy Smith. And as soon as that happened, Scott, it was like moths to a flame. I mean, grown men sprinting down the aisle, jumping over people now. Mind you, there are people sitting in that first row right up to the dugout, and they were so gracious to let my son just stand there and just kind of watch Adam Wainwright, you know what I mean? Not even try to impede at all. But then these grown men are, are trying to hop over their legs and they're knocking over drinks and stuff. And as soon as he saw that, he was like, all right, guys. He said, hey, thanks so much, You know, you know, enjoy the game. And we thanked him, and that was it. And he disappears back into the clubhouse because these people are freaking nuts.
1: Right. Well, it's like our Martin Keimer thing at Augusta.
0: <sighs> exactly. Exactly. Why don't you re- retell that story quick for maybe some of our new podcast listeners.
1: Sure. So we uh, it's, it was 2013. Dan was lucky enough to win the Augusta lottery for the Masters. We got to go to the, the – it was Tuesday practice round, so I was going to say Wednesday, but – that wasn't the case uh yeah the tuesday practice round um so it was me dan his wife we're, we're walking around and we spot martin keimer kind of over by the clubhouse just hanging out with his you know his crew so we walk over and Dan's like hey hey can we get a picture and there was like a little moment of hesitation then he looked back at one of his people and he's like uh is it okay if i take pictures here and the people were just kind of like shrugging their shoulders like they had no idea and then Martin Keimer's just like, yeah, hey, whatever. <laughs> calls us over, snap a picture. And, you know, it's, it's obviously one of the coolest golf experiences I've ever had. Um, so we snap our picture. It's done. And all of a sudden, we see like 20 people lined up to do the same thing as Martin Keimer is whiffed back into the clubhouse by his agent and caddy and whoever else he had floating around so yeah it was uh it was pretty cool
0: yeah i th- I think he actually even said like all right guys hey thanks but uh i'm out of here you know because mm. the, again it, it, like just like bees swarming to honey you know swarming to flowers like to get nectar it was just it was it's just so nuts and uh, again like the old adage of nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd is so yeah. true because these people came from the woodwork and 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 the problem is, too, pro golfers are are very – they can be very anonymous in real life. Take away the marketing. Take away the patches. Take away the collared shirt. Take away the hat. And a lot of these guys could walk past you, and you would never know. And a lot of them do. You know, a lot of them try to walk inconspicuously around at tournaments. Now, at the Masters, it's it's kind of hard because they're always – behind those ropes, um, but he let his guard down for, what, maybe 20 seconds to take a picture with us, and then then it was like bedlam, and this was yep. right after he was number one in the world, so, you know, he was a very popular player, people knew him, not just within the golfing community, you know, within, within the sports community, uh, but a cool story, nevertheless. Uh, Scott, we get the, the Honda Classic is going on right now. As we speak, the leaders just are are kind of moving into the uh, halfway point of the back nine. And currently, we've got Sunjay M at five under, Tommy Fleetwood at five under, and our boy, Brendan Steele, at five under. Um, This course, first off, let's just say this. Five under, six holes left on a Sunday. You would think this might be the U.S. Open. Right. This course, historically, plays super difficult. The winds down there are always blowing. There's a ton of water. There's a ton of, obviously, out of bounds and water being penalty areas now, as they're called. But what's, what's one thing you notice, Scott, with this leaderboard, if you just kind of look at the top ten? What sticks out to you? Uh, no one's a big hitter. Except Tommy, for, I mean... To, Tommy yeah, Fleetwood, probably probably the longest out of the people in the top 10,
1: right? Uh, Gary Woodland, too, but, uh, you know, those are both people who have games that are not just, you know, like you said or before we started, bomb and gouge. Like, right. they have strong iron games, uh, you know, they're good putters. They're not people who are going to overpower a course, necessarily. Um, they have They have some skills with irons and things like that, so... That's what jumps out at you. Um, yeah. This, you know, this, Lu- Luke Donald's in the top 10.
0: Yes. So yes, like, like perfect. This, this course here is a perfect example of how a course can be set up for the modern game and still bring a bunch of different skill sets into the fold, right? You have a guy that, that is, for all intents and purposes, a grinder, Brendan Steele. You have one of the shortest hitters on tour, who's even shorter now because he's well past his prime in Luke Donald. You've got a guy with a great all-around game, Tommy Fleetwood. And then juxtapose that with some of the guys that missed the cut. Right? Brooks Kepka, Maybe one of the, you know, that was one of the hottest golfers before the knee injury. And, and we've gone over this in the pod numerous times, how I think that it is more debilitating than he's letting on. You've got a guy like Ricky. Long off the tee, you know, averages over 300 as well, missing the cut. So a penal golf course like this can really kind of close the gap between the bomb and gougers and the run of the mill tour pros that are averaging 285, 290. And it's hilarious to say that, you know, but if you average like 290 on tour, you're outside of the top 100. It's nuts.
1: Where and I know he doesn't play on the the tour full time. But where, if you had to guess where Tommy Fleetwood ranks in terms of driving distance, where would you rank him?
0: Uh, numerical, you mean, like? Yes. Seventy fifth. Um. Um. Seventy second.
1: If I told you he was third right now, would you believe me?
0: Third on tour, or third this week?
1: Third on tour for the season.
0: W- wow. Um.
1: He is a he. An average driving distance of three hundred and twenty-seven point one yards.
0: So I'm wondering ranks him
1: third overall.
0: I'm wondering if that's not okay. First off, no, I would have not. I would not have believed that. I know he's long. I didn't realize he was that long. Who would you guess?
1: guess Who would you guess is number one? Because there's no way you're going to be right.
0: I don't know. I'm. uh, Hmm. I know who's number one on the Corn Ferry Tour. It's Brent Grant. I know that because he's coming on the pod later this week. Um, Gosh, number one on the PGA Tour in driving distance. Um, Maverick McNeely.
1: Ryu Ishikawa.
0: Okay, so, all right, all right. No, no, no. These numbers, they're skewed. These numbers are completely skewed. You know why?
1: Cuz it's all guys who don't play full time. It's
0: guys that don't play full time. That's I call BS on the PJ Tour site again. This is another problem. Uh Yoishikawa played last last week in mm-hmm. once, 8,000 feet of elevation. Yep. Are you what's the average in Scott? 365.
1: 328. This is, so it's the, yeah, the, the top 4 are all guys who are that's their that's their deal. It's okay. Who are the Ryu, top? Ryu Ishikawa, Tyrrell Hatton, Fleetwood, Jazz, Jana Watanau, and uh, and then number five is Danny Willett.
0: Okay. So even oh, so, the top five aren't even full-time PGA Tour players.
1: Correct. And then after that, it gets into
0: like Rory's six, who's probably that's probably about the right spot for him. He's and and I would say he's the tour leader now. Is there any caveat that says minimum number of drives recorded, minimum number of rounds played, or no? Definitely not. Okay, and you know why? Because the PGA Tour wants sensationalism. That's what this is. This is, this is. this is e-entertainment television, right? This is like the the sun over in the UK. That's what this is. This is tabloid media right now. It's not real. Yoa is not the longest guy on tour.
1: Yeah, that's based on 12 rounds.
0: Now, you said Rio. I said Yo because I remember a while back when he first came on tour.
1: Uh, you're a, right, but Yeah, cuz he had a I, press I know con- that you're right. It's,
0: he had a, yeah. a press conference and for like 3 minutes back and forth. It was the dumbest thing in the world, I remember. 3 minutes back and forth. They said, "How do you pronounce your name?" And through the translator they asked him. And he says, "Yo." And they said Rio. And, and no, 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 no. Listen, yo. And the, and the, the American press was like, yo? They said, no, 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 R, yo. Like, yo, man. And then he made the American media say it back to him. And they went back and forth like 10 times. And the people in the press were like, yo. And he was like, yo, oy, yo, yo, yo. It Definitely a watershed moment for golf press and golf media. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how they calculate this, but I'm guessing it's, you know, total distance, which I know that's definitely how they do it, uh, divided by total drives. And I'm guessing those drives have to hit the fairway.
0: Um, okay, that Just I'm not ba- sure of, but you might be right. But here's so, the problem
1: with it. So ba- uh, And I'm basing that on the fact that, like, for example... They're the number that they're using for total drives that Rory McElroy's hit in 20 rounds so far is 24.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So I'm guessing they have to Yeah. And even that seems low, but whatever.
0: Now here's here's the problem too, and I know the PJ Tour does this, and I've seen them. And and, and if you go to a PJ Tour event or anything, you know anything like that, you'll you will see um shot link set up at most of the holes. However, you will see specific volunteer individuals set up at two holes. Usually two holes per week, one in the front, one in the back, are the ones that they measure. So you could hit a 380 yard drive, catch it off the cart path on a hole that they are actually using as a measured hole that week, and that mm. skews the numbers. Conversely, you could hit a 120 yard pop up um like Harold Varner third did two weeks ago, and it could be in a hole that they're not calculating, and then it doesn't affect your distance. So these things are skewed. Like the analytics in golf, as good as they are, it, this is not like, don't get yourself confused over numbers like this and then compare them to other sports. Like this is not how baseball is done with sabermetrics, you know, when every little thing's calculated, every single Pitch and every single hit and every single movement on the field is calculated. This is, you know, golf is still in the dark ages, the medieval times when it comes to information collection. It's better than it was 20 years ago before the shot link error, but it is by no means perfect. So you gotta take everything with a grain of salt. It's kind of like when when you're when you're growing up and you know uh, you're standing online at the food store and they've got the tabloid magazines. And it's like, you know, Wolfman spotted on eighth hole of Pinehurst. And you're like, oh, my God, look, the Wolfman. There mm-hmm. he is. And then you go and you read the article inside, and it's like, there was a wolf. A man saw it on the eighth hole of Pinehurst. You got to kind of yeah. go to the source and, and, uh, and figure out exactly what's going on. Do a little investigative research. Um, I think the PGA Tour could be a little bit more clear. Or give a little bit more uh, clarity to those situations, but again, what sells? Big numbers, right? If we can say we've got fifteen people that average over three hundred yards, well, then it looks like you know they're they're superheroes, superhumans, if you will.
1: Um, that's absolutely true, and that's what they that's what they're they're promoting. It's you know the the these guys are good, you know. Look right. how good look how good they are.
0: Live under par. Yep. Um, So in other news of jobs that you and I could probably do better than the people that the PGA Tour employs to do those jobs, yesterday on the first tee, former number one in the world, Luke Donald, Ryder Cup stalwart, Luke Donald, uh, was announced, like most people are always announced, by a first tee starter. Now, normally... You don't even pay attention to the first t starter because they're really kind of irrelevant. It's a club member, uh, it's it's the president of a club or something along those lines. It might uh, be a sponsor
1: so, guy. I was going to say someone who has uh, like someone who's an executive for the the company that's sponsoring the event.
0: Sure, or that exec son, or whatever you know. But uh, there's been some good announcements over the years. I, I recall the guy at. Ooh, Was it in L.A. when when the got when Tiger was paired with Phil and the announcer kept going on about Tiger's wins and all this stuff? And Phil was mm-hmm. like, OK, enough already. Come on. Come on. And everyone had a laugh. Then there was the guy in Mexico. The uh, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger,
1: Tiger Woods guy.
0: Yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, now now we've got a guy that maybe is not so famous, uh, but rather infamous. Luke Donald standing on the first tee, getting ready to hit yesterday, and he was announced as Luke McDonald. They hmm. mispronounced his hometown. They got the date wrong, meaning the year wrong of when he won the Honda Classic. They said 2016. He won it in 2006. Adam Scott won it in 2016. Um, they called him Luke McDonald, and his they. Pronounce the his name of his town like High Wickham or something like that. Um, so it's not like it's not even like I, I, you. I, how do you pronounce? How do you mispronounce Luke Donald? Like I mean, it's like the most vanilla, generic golfer's name that's out there. Right. And it's,
1: yeah, it's and it's, it's Luke not Donald. even yeah, it's not even like I, I could get it if it was. Uh, jazz some, Donatana one? Yeah, jazz or, or you know, something that was uh, not, and I don't mean to, this might come out the wrong way, but something that's literally not English. Sure.
0: Like, like let's say.
1: Like Luke Donalds.
0: <laughs> let's say he was trying to pronounce Byung Hoon An. okay? Now everybody knows him as Ben An. So maybe he tries to to use his actual cultural name, right? His South Korean name. And they messes that up. And he says something like Byong or something like that. That's forgivable. Okay? But the dude's name is Luke Donald. Like he has two first names. It's very, and both of them are basic. They're so generic. Right. Yeah. I mean, like he I, is... I can even I can even forgive people and announcers when they call like Charles Schwartzel. They say Charles. Because Charles is such a weird name, and your your mind looks at it and it automatically says Charles, that's common. But God, it's like like how, like mispronouncing Lee Westwood. Something simplistic like that—it's nuts.
1: Right? Yeah, and that Lee Westwood—I mean, that's just two really simple names put together. Lee, and then Westwood. Those aren't My. even exactly, but you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing easier than Lee Westwood would, would be Luke Donald. But yet again, someone the PGA Tour is employing when we could have been doing a better job out there. Um, but getting, getting, look, getting back to the Honda, um, getting back to you know Palm Beach Gardens where they're at there, the PGA National, I, it, dude. It's I, I wouldn't want to play that course four rounds in a row. One round, fine. Four times through, no. Um, you've got the gimmick with the bear trap. I'm not even going to get into that about the naming and stuff, but the par three in the bear trap is literally diabolical. The wind blows. You've got mm-hmm. these drunk, uh, divorcees that are acting like they're at, uh, TPC, um, oh, Scottsdale. Scot- Scot- <laughs> I was going to say TPC waste management. Yeah. They're acting like they're at Scottsdale, but like Scottsdale, that's an easy shot. It's, it's just dead straight. There's no wind that blows because the stadium is so high there nowadays. Yep. Yeah. But this is a small green. The whole entire carries water. There's almost no bailout. And if there is, you're in the trap hitting across the green into the water. It is, a, it, it is such a tough hole. And, uh, and look, every once in a while, I like that a tournament is going to be won. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say six or seven under wins today. Everyone right now... Is the leaders are still five under, so I'm going to say six or seven wins unless the wind starts blowing big time for the last four or five holes, and then we might even have someone win at five under.
1: Oh yeah, I mean right now it's it's a log jam at five under, so yeah, I mean, I they might be lucky to get in at that
0: number, so yeah. But it's it's cool to see, like like we said before, the different styles of play come in. It, it, it's cool to see different guys working their way and plotting their way around a golf course. Um, and it does make sense that there is a bomb and gouger out there. It makes sense that Gary Woodland's out there because he's the defending U.S. Open champ. So the guy understands difficult conditions. And and people will say, well, Brooks missed the cut and he's a you know, U.S. Open champ from a, just a little bit ago. Well, that's, you know what, look, that's very true. And I'm telling you, I'm going on record, and I'm going to live and die on this sword, that that knee is worse than he lets on.
1: Yeah, I would think at this point that that's that's what we're looking at.
0: (laughs) All right, so moving from the Honda Classic, because we're not going to talk long enough to to watch it finish. Um, Next week, we've got the Arnold Palmer. Tiger's not playing. What do you think about that, Scotto?
1: What do I think about him not playing? Yeah. Uh, Two words. uh, Uh-oh. Because I think we know Tiger kind of picks and chooses his schedule, and he picks and chooses it around places that he likes and he's comfortable. And, oh, yeah, he's won that event. What, like every year he's competed in it?
0: I think it's like six or eight times. It's nuts, whatever it is. I think it's it's eight.
1: Yeah, it's insane. So if he's sitting that out, there's something possibly wrong.
0: Okay, that's what I'm thinking, right? But it would... So looking at the schedule, this is what makes sense to me if I'm Tiger. I haven't played, okay? Um, I play Arnold next week. I play the players. Then I take off Valspar. I'm going to play in the match play. And then I'm probably going to take off, um, probably take off the Texas Open and and play the Masters. Right. But now, now it almost makes me think. Now, you said, "Uh uh-oh, and that's my initial reaction. But then I dived a little bit deeper. I went head first. I looked at the schedule. Now it makes me think that he goes players, skips Valspar, plays match play, and then skips Texas to go to the Masters. I just can't see him going match play, Texas, Masters. But he might. But, look, Austin Country Club, you get those cold mornings, Mm -hmm. right? And we remember when he got beat by Lucas Beauregard and said that, look, I I couldn't even move. I was swinging halfway. Nothing was working. So I feel like if he gets ousted... From the match play, quick, maybe within that, you know that that round robin thing. Then he does play Texas Open, and then he plays the Masters, and then obviously we're not going to see him for a while. Maybe the AT and T after that for two three weeks before the PGA. Um, however, let's say Tiger goes deep into the match play championship, that literally might affect him playing uh, Valero, and then he doesn't play coming into the Masters. So the, the missing of the Arnold Palmer really kind of throws a wrench into the plans. And, again, I, I think I go with my initial reaction that, that maybe something is awry. Maybe something is wrong. Or maybe he's just saving himself.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like if it was if we were talking about the Valspar, even if we were talking about this one, like the Honda, which is a home game for him. um, If it was one of those kind of things, I maybe wouldn't be as worried. I feel like that's a tournament that he circles on the schedule every year and goes, yep, I'm playing in that one. You know, that the four majors, uh, the Memorial back when it was, the Bridgestone was at uh, Firestone, like those were those were his places, and now to take one of those places that's his and just be like, "Yeah, I'm going to skip it," I think that's a bigger problem than I just don't feel like playing this week. I'm not ready.
0: Yeah, part of I feel me like wonders. Th- part of me what? wonders if if should we just get used to this? I mean, he, he's not a full time player anymore. We understand the the wear and tear on him. We understand the injuries. Maybe this is something we just need to get used to. Maybe this was his plan all along after the Masters last year. You know, like, I really feel like last year's Masters tournament, I think everyone got so hyped and they're like, Tiger's back. You know, we can expect him to contend for the next five to six years. But the more I see him play, I know he won Zozo, but the more I see him play out there, I I just kind of feel like to him... Maybe that was icing on the cake, you know. Maybe that was the cherry on top. Maybe that was the bonus um, major that wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe that was his uh, eighty-six Nicholas major, mm. you know. And, and, right. and now it's just like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna really care about four times a year, and that's and honestly, that's it. If I'm in contention, cool. But I mean, let's be honest. The eighty-three is not important to me. Um, I got maybe maybe. Uh, Gosh, 12, maybe 16 good shots left at, at those tournaments. Um, that's all I'm going to care about. So, hey, get used to it. There's a lot of stuff I, I normally play I'm not going to anymore, and, and it is what it is, you know?
1: So here, here's my only, the only caveat I will offer to that. There is literally one thing in golf that Tiger Woods has not done. And it happens at the towards the end of this summer. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know what winning the uh, four WGC
0: championships, the WGC Slam.
1: Nah, he's got that already. No, the one thing he has not done in golf is participated in the Olympics. This is true. So, and which is based on world ranking points. He, um, he
0: says that he would be interested, and he understands that this is probably his last shot. This is, I would think, definitely his last shot.
1: So if he could get, if he could play in tournaments like the Arnold Palmer and like the Memorial, places that he's comfortable, places that he's had success, places that, you know, are, are again, he's got good vibes. I have, and part of me thinks, you know, he wants to at least get into the Olympics and do that. And for him to pull out of this one makes me think something's something's wrong. So, Maybe he just thinks he can pick up those points in the majors. I don't know. I, I mean, it's obviously possible. Uh, right now he's on the outside looking in, but anything could happen.
0: I I kind of like, and I know I use wrestling examples a lot, but it's something I'm familiar with. I kind yeah. of liken Tiger Woods to The Undertaker.
1: Uh, uh, he has come back from the dead. <laughs>
0: very good he has but where does the undertaker show up once a year scott even you know this
1: uh that would be wrestlemania does he still show up for wrestlemania though
0: (laughs) scott he still does that's great and wrestlemania as you know scott is a pay-per-view yes that i do that that so (laughs) so the undertaker no matter what like literally they just create storylines, and he shows up every year at WrestleMania, okay, without fail. Now, five, six years ago, kind of when Tiger Woods was left for dead, um, people thought maybe he's done. He lost to Brock Lesnar. Maybe eh, the streak is done. He's he's finished. He's not going to show up anymore. But guess what, Scott? The Undertaker keeps showing up, and maybe maybe Tiger is the Undertaker of the four majors. Maybe that's the only place that we can guarantee that we are going to see him play every year. The Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. That is it. Tiger the Undertaker shows up four times a year. Get used to it.
1: So, and just, is the Undertaker still undefeated in WrestleManias? Because I could sign up for for Tiger going out there and winning the slam.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He (laughs) lost to Brock Lesnar. Um, a while back, they gave Brock Lesnar a big push, kind of to get the rub off the Undertaker, but um, but he's gone undefeated since. So I don't know. He's like uh, five, maybe thirty and one, something like that. I don't know. Mm. Someone that is 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 a deeper wrestling nerd than myself will know. I, I don't watch WWE much anymore, as I've stated on this pod. I have completely gone all in on AEW, which I've been in son, oh, been in with since the first day. And actually their pay-per-view last night was phenomenal, Scott. I spent my own hard-earned money on it. Hmm. But this is not I a wrestling. Did, podcast. I did, by
1: the way. I watched an XFL game yesterday. So uh,
0: uh, did you watch my St. Louis Battlehawks?
1: <laughs> uh I did.
0: <laughs> did they win?
1: I don't remember because I didn't watch okay. the whole game.
0: <laughs> and they're my favorite team, and I didn't I didn't watch did he, yeah, did <laughs> These these secondary leagues are are hilarious. I just I just don't know how people care.
1: So and uh, well and just because I looked it up, the game that I watched was not even from this week. It was last week's game. Uh, uh, I didn't know that until just now because uh, it was the Battle Hawks against the New York Guardians, uh, and they played last Sunday. And, and the Battle I Hawks the won twenty nine to nine.
0: Yeah. Yes. The, the New York guardians suck i know that (laughs) well it's just much like every other new york football team yes
1: that was the game i watched because i turned on the uh, espn app on my you know on my tv and i was like oh i'll watch some of this xfl game and that was the game that came on the guardians lost yeah they're bad they're not a good team
0: um so i want to i want to talk about this scott um obviously Derek. And I are going to the players championship um, in a week and a half, you know, seven, uh, eight, nine days or so. And in the mail today, I get a a very cool thing, which I want to share with the listeners. I got an invitation from the PGA tour communications department on Wednesday. Now, unfortunately, I'm not getting into Jacksonville till late on Wednesday, 930 or so. Uh, I think Derek precedes me by half an hour or so. We get an invite to join the PGA Tour Communications Department for cocktails and pizza from 5 to 7 p.m. on the patio at TPC Sawgrass uh, on course between holes 9 and 18. The attire simply says, come as you are. Free cocktails, free pizza at the players, unfortunately I'm gonna miss it. My flight doesn't even leave uh, Philly till 7:30, and obviously, mm. um, you know they're not gonna go all night long there. But, but how cool is that?
1: I mean that that's pretty awesome.
0: PGA Tour finally getting it together and inviting us to these uh, upper echelon events.
1: Well, again, that's what happens when you're, you know, one you 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 know shoot your shot and take you know, make phone calls and things like that. And two, when you're reasonable about things and you you show that you're trying to grow not just your yourself, but your game, the game itself. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's not like you and I, this is our livelihood. We're not making a whole lot of money from this by any stretch of the imagination. Um, this is purely out of, you know, love of the sport and... I think that is recognizable in what we do. And people who are paying attention, they see it too.
0: So right. And that, you know, and the cool thing is like it, it it's awesome that they invited us, but I'm more excited because we get to take all of our listeners along with us, all of our Instagram followers along with us. and, and they get to partake in it too. Just like I get to kind of vicariously through the in the winter live through all of our Instagram followers and listeners that, that live on the West Coast or live in the Southwest or down South or, or overseas where you can play golf year-round. Um, it's just a cool community that, that I think we're both thankful to be part of. Um, but I can't wait for the, for the players. Um, we're also going to hit up the World Golf Hall of Fame down there. And uh, my girl Allison from Birdies and Bliss sent me this itinerary, which she wrote a blog about. She's a Houston-based golf blogger. She did this whole thing on on the World Golf Hall of Fame and what you should miss and not miss and all this stuff. Um, so I'm interested just to see what that is down there. They get like 22 bucks a ticket for the World Golf Hall of Fame, Scott. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't know if it's worth it or not.
1: Um, I feel like that's not terrible.
0: Yeah. Probably not, but I bet you then they bang me for like 30 bucks for a hamburger there.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, any of those type of locations, always, always food and beverage is going to be a lot.
0: Uh, one of the funny things, Derek and I were on a phone call uh, earlier in the week because we, we needed to uh, touch base as to what days we're going to go to the tournament, et cetera, et cetera, right? And he said, hey, you bring your clubs. And I said, no, dude, you know, we're not down there. We're down there four days, but, you know, I mean, come on, we're going to be at Sawgrass the majority of the time. And, um, you know, I said to him, I said, hey, I was looking at the courses and they've got, you know, the, the slammer and the squire and the king and, king the, and the bear, Bear, right? So when you go online and you look at the courses, you can see that they have dynamic pricing, which everything is moving towards nowadays. And that's fine. It's whatever. Um, so next week, those courses average about $68 a round, which, I, which I've heard they're pretty decent courses, and, and that seems like a steal. Now, conversely, one day after that, the Monday of Players Week, those courses go up to $248 around. What a joke.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's uh, so for <laughs> the other
1: thing with that, um, you know how like Google keeps like track every now and again, like if you search for a place, it will tell you like what kind of crowd is there. Sure, so, of course. I, so I was actually searching for PGA National uh, just because I was curious what um, like what they get for like resort time, like a resort stay there. Uh, to maybe look into adding, you know, a couple days onto our Flor- my family's Florida <laughs> trip. Um, first of all, really good deals to stay there towards the, the middle of the summer. Um, but also, right now, um, for today, like the crowd that they're tracking, uh, there's like this huge red bar in the middle of what is normally just kind of like a steadily declining, you know, blue chart. And it says live way more people than usual. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously there are way more people there today than are usually there on a normal Sunday, just playing golf. So yeah, you would
0: think. Yeah. Would so think. I'm guessing,
1: like I'm guessing cause that facility has four courses. Those, if those other three are open, which they probably aren't, uh, those would be dynamically priced
0: through the roof yeah but I, I i love how you know one day like you could play next sunday and it's 48 dollars, or yeah. you could play on monday and it's 248 dollars. Uh, uh it just pisses me off there's look man there's not many courses out there that are even worth 250 bucks you know and those two are definitely not you know just man-made monstrosities in the middle of florida
1: yeah i mean i that's a place I'd like to go, but I don't know that I'd spend 250 bucks to play at any of those courses.
0: I'd play both of them for 100 bucks, like 48 bucks, 60 bucks a piece or whatever it is. I'd do that. But yes. but two of them – imagine paying 500 bucks for two of those courses.
1: No, I don't think so. No. I, I mean, um, I've, I've paid that much money for a round of golf, and that was – not really worth it, but just to say that I did was kind of well, cool. And,
0: and and that was and, on a more bucket list esque
1: course. And that's what I was gonna say. And or that's golf village. Yeah, and that's not a place that everyone can play. Like and just roll up to sometime. It's always five hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's for everybody. Right. Uh, speaking of. Someone that has played a ton of courses. Uh, Just had Tom Coyne on the podcast, so if you people haven't listened to that, definitely check out that episode. That was uh, very cool. Got a little behind-the-scenes insight for all his travels and his uh, book writing deals and details and everything that goes on behind the scenes into creating a novel uh, work of fiction as well as um, kind of autobiographical Travels that that he goes through. Uh, currently working on a course called America, which I'm very excited for. As I've read all of his others, as I'm sure most people that listen to the podcast have have read his other books as well. But that was that was pretty neat. Um, and Scott, what about your weekly eBay purchases? I have one that I put a bid in on. I don't. I won't know till tonight. Um, I put a bid in on a three foot by five foot Augusta National Golf Club members only. Uh, I don't want to say fl- It's not a flag. It's like a, uh, gosh, what like a, like tapestry almost, if you will. But it's not the uh, Masters. You know, you're, yeah. you're not, it's not the Masters logo. It's that white Augusta National Golf Club r- logo, the actual members logo one. Um, so, you know, it, it, I guess it's like a hanging flag, if you will.
1: Yeah, so I, I actually looked for it and I found it. Um, i don't know that that's something that they hang up during the masters to indicate like this is a member's only area or something else that they because who knows what goes on at that place like other than you know two weeks a year
0: yeah no I don't I don't think it's anything ever even replicate even the replica of it well this is a replica excuse me even the actual item is used anywhere in augusta but just the fact that it's uh, you know that it's it's not the master's logo but it's an Augusta national mm-hmm. logo that says members only that, that to me is pretty cool and different, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, have you, I uh, like it. are you going to, um, is that going to go up on the flagpole? Like the jets flag and all that, or <laughs> is that going to no, get hung, hung down in no, the golf no. room?
0: That goes down in the, in the Pennsylvania podcast studio. And Scott is referencing that, you know, we have a flag outside of our house, which most people do. Um, and then for the seasons, we put up seasonal flags, but then only if, and only if the Jets make the playoffs while they are in the playoffs, the Jets flag gets hung up. So as you can imagine, the Jets flag does not get hung up that often. And literally it is in pristine condition because it's only been up maybe, you know, 15, 16 weeks over the last decade. Yeah. It's, it doesn't get a whole lot of action. No. Uh, did you purchase anything this week?
1: Uh, I actually haven't even really looked at eBay this week, um, just because this week's been kind of crazy, and I didn't really have a whole lot of free time to be looking for golf stuff. Uh, But as we've been kind of chatting, there's a couple things that have caught my eye, and I did get an email from Amazon, uh, maybe it was Wednesday, uh, that said, we think you'd be interested in this. And it was a a 2015 upper deck Tiger Woods golf card. (laughs) And I was like, you're right. uh, But I'm not buying it.
0: Right. Um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about, our friends over at the USGA, they went to Pinehurst. Uh, Our invitation must have got lost in the mail. Uh, You know, there's a lot of moving parts of the USGA, so we'll overlook it. But the USGA went to Pinehurst. And revealed their new campaign for the U.S. Open. Very simplistic, very cool white background. Want to make uh, U.S. Open trophy? I, I said want to make a trophy. Uh, I correct myself. We all but knew it. Yeah, the U.S. Open trophy there, and in big bold letters it says "From Many," and then on the next side it says "One." So very cool reference that it, it is an actual open championship. Any professional can enter. Any amateur with a handicap under 1.4? Is that correct? Uh,
1: 2. I've never because I, I know i 1.4? I know I don't qualify.
0: Well, hey, let me tell you. I know a ton of people that have played in U.S. Open quali- local qualifiers, and they get their pros to forge that they are a 1.4. Trust me, it happens. Mm-hmm. Go to any local qualifier, and you will see guys withdraw after nine holes. You will see guys shoot triple digits. You will see guys run out of balls it is a cluster but it is as american as apple pie uh a true dumpster fire of golf but there are the great players that make it through and there are guys that make it through sectional qualifying and you know every single year there's the long shot guy that actually makes it into the u.s open but it is it's not like it was in the old days 30 years ago where, you know, a guy that was a good country club member can, can work his way through. Um, it is very rare that an amateur qualifies through one of the local or makes it through local sectional and regional qualifying. Uh, most of them are pros. And if it is an amateur, it's one of the guys who's an amateur in name only. He's an insurance salesman and his job for the company is to take clients out and play golf and he was a d1 all american but he just never turned pro you know what i mean it's that type of amateur it's not you and i
1: yeah so it it, it
0: is 1.4 okay
1: um and i feel like that's I mean,
0: lower than it was years ago it,
1: it might be cuz they might be trying to limit who can be in, in it right um but there's a ton of these local qualifiers like
0: oh there's i know
1: I I, and I they're was, everywhere. Yes. Like, they're, I mean, theres they're everywhere and they're spread out. And I was looking and I recognized like the one like, down in Westchester, the Whippoorwill Club. Um,
0: okay. Yep. I've heard of that.
1: But all the other ones are golf courses. Well, Cog Hill. Uh, most of the other ones aren't courses that are, you know, particularly well known outside of probably that local area. Um there's a golf one one caught my eye immediately. Uh it was Eagles Landing, but that's not the Eagles Landing that we play.
0: Oh, I was gonna say that yeah. if,
1: if
0: if that was a US Open local qualifier, I would find a pro, forge my handicap, and go down there and play.
1: Yeah. This one's down in Georgia.
0: Okay. Which is probably a big time course down there.
1: Mm-hmm. So those are the local ones. And then I guess that gets you into sectional qualifying. So if you locally qualify, I think then you need to participate in one of the sectional qualifiers.
0: And most of the big-time pros that make it, those guys are already exempt into the sectional qualifying. Uh, It's very rare that a pro that's played on tour ever has to go back to local qualifying. I actually think if you have held a tour card at one point in time that you're exempt from the local. You know, the local is all the Joe Schmoes that can say mm. themselves, hey, at one time in 2019, 2020, I tried qualifying for the U.S. Open, which is awesome in its own right. Don't get me wrong. If I had the game and the length to participate, I would so try. I'd pay my 200 300 bucks and, and play 18 holes and, and just see what I could do.
1: Right, yeah, just... uh, Plus, you get access to a course you probably wouldn't get access to normally.
0: Right. And you can always say that you teed it up, you know, in a USGA championship. Yeah. Which is, you know, which honestly is something that you and I will will never have the chance to do.
1: Now, the closest I'm getting to that is hanging out with Jane.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, the closest that we're going to get is the uh, USGA four ball championships down at Philadelphia cricket club. I, I meant a.
1: to, yeah, I meant to actually, you know, winning one.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah,
1: true. but no, that's the, true. the four ball, and speaking being, that would be the one that would actually be the one that we have the best chance of getting into.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that handicap is like a, if I'm, uh, I think it's like 5.7 or something is the handicap allowance for that per person in the group, um, you know, so I have, I have to knock a little bit of rust off. We'd have to grind a little bit to get it down, but but that would be a co- that's cool because you're with a buddy, like so. That replaced the U.S. Pub Links championship, which our buddy Byron Meth is in perpetuity the the forever remaining, long standing, undisputed U.S. Pub Links championship. He's the champion, excuse me, he's the last one. There will never be ever and another one ever again because the USGA took that away and decided to come up with the four ball. And I, I like the idea of the four ball. It's, it's You're playing with a buddy. It's, it's cool. Uh, here's a funny story, and I can't wait to ask him, but Brent Grant, who's coming on the pod next week, he actually qualified for the US four ball championships by himself. He um. shot a 63 on his own ball a few years ago because the partner that he qualified with was sick and couldn't make it to the, the championship that day. So in the qualifying, he went off and shot a 63 on his own ball to win the spot to get into the four-ball championship.
1: I mean, that's pretty much the most baller thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, if you said to me, hey, dude, like, you know, I've got the coronavirus, I can't, I can't play today. I'd be like, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm not playing. Like, I'm not going to go out and play without you. That's stupid. This dude goes off and fires a 63 on his own ball. When when there's other groups of two out there like shooting 72 or 73 on their ball.
1: Hmm. Uh actually looking at like the qualifiers for that for this year. Um he's actually lucky he got in with 63.
0: Oh yeah, not yeah, it's it's nuts.
1: Some of these scores
0: are are Crazy low. It's stupid, especially if you're like, like, look. Imagine if you were two plus handicap golfers, two guys at plus two on a course that they know, and and let's say Mm -hmm. they just ham and egg it perfectly that day. I mean, you could just tear that place apart.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Most of these teams literally have a birdie or eagle putt on every single hole. Oh yeah, definitely. And if you get hot and you start dropping some stuff then forget it it's lights out yeah that's true all right man anything else for the good of the order
1: i don't think so i think we're pretty good
0: yeah for sure for sure all right so um we got brent grant coming up this week got a quick pod tomorrow with uh ty boone a youtube golfer junior golfer in the in the rising ranks for out of montana and uh hey soon enough It'll be players week.
1: Hmm. The uh the the fifth major. Sure it is. I mean All right. we're, we're we're promoting them. Yes. The <laughs> fifth
0: major Parentheses. All ish. right, people. <laughs> fifth major-ish. Fifth-ish major ish. The fifth ish major. Question mark. Exclamation point. PGA tour.
1: All right, well.
0: All right, people. Either get busy golfing or get busy dying. All right. Be good.